Welcome to the Truth Must Be Told podcast. Thank you for joining us today as we share the good news of Jesus in this uncertain world. If you have any questions, suggestions, or comments, please reach out to me at thetruthmustbetold93 at gmail.com. Now, if you've missed any episodes, you can go to anchor.fm and look for me, Sal Passos. While you're there, hit the support button and help this podcast to continue. For those of you on YouTube, don't forget to hit the thumbs up button and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of these exciting shows. Thank you once again for your support, and I'll be seeing you soon on The Truth Must Be Told. Should Christians have guns? Should they use deadly force to protect themselves? Well, we're going to discuss it today on The Truth Must Be Told. So stand by. He's just ignorant. He doesn't know any better than to tell the truth. It's the truth. I just want to report the truth. It'll be a nice change of pace. Okay? When in doubt, tell the truth. Edward, I tried to tell the truth, and it kicked me off the air. You can't handle the truth! And now, speaking the truth, even though it hurts, here's the host of The Truth Must Be Told, Sal Passos. Hello, and welcome to the program. Uh, today is Tuesday, and I am so sorry about uh, Saturday's program. It, uh, I, I, my computer ran out of memory. Uh, I, I'm trying to save the shows uh, to, uh, you know, bring them up at another time, but apparently I'm going to have a difficulty. So uh, until I do something about getting more memory in here or whatever, I'm going to have to delete older programs out of my computer, which is a shame because I'd really like to have them, but I can always watch them again on YouTube because I, most of them, most of them are there. But uh, uh, speaking of YouTube, don't forget guys uh, that you're watching on YouTube. Don't forget to hit that like button. And subscribe uh, and Rumble, do the same thing. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to the, uh, the podcast there. You can catch the uh, audio portion on, uh, on uh, Anchor.fm, as I've told you, and Yubnub.social, new platform. We're working on that. And also Wisdom, the Wisdom app, and we're getting there with that as well. So uh, just uh, bear with me as we uh, make a few changes here in the program structure. We are working on it. Um. But uh, it's good to see see you here today. I'm glad you're here. Again, I apologize for Saturday. It has just been a crazy, crazy, crazy thing with my computer. I was halfway through the show recording, and boom, it died on me. It, it just I ran out of memory. I can't support this. So either one of two things. Either I start going live, but I like having the recording here so I can, one, play it back. Uh, two, also, I can't seem to find a, a nice, good time for everybody to, to tune in. But uh, we'll, we'll work on that. If you have any comments about it, uh, you know, you can email me at thetruthmustbetold93 at gmail.com. And I would uh, love to hear your comments on the issue. So, all right. So uh, here we are. And we're going to talk about whether, um, whether Christians or not should um, participate in, in, in carrying a weapon. Uh, should you carry a weapon? Should you... Um, What's the th- what are your thoughts about using deadly force if necessary to protect yourself or your family? Is that biblically sound? Do we have a right to do that? Even though the Bible says you shall not kill, don't kill. Uh, what are we what are we experiencing here? What are we talking about? Well, I'm going to start this off the show off a little bit differently. Uh, the first part of the episode, I'd like to tell you a story. Uh, it's a very famous story, and some of you may know who I'm talking about, but. Uh, just bear with me as we uh, we go through and we uh, we look at this together, okay? So um, so back in uh, 1887 in uh, Pall Mall, Tennessee, 
That was a long time ago. William uh, and Mary were expecting a child. Now, this was to be their third child for the couple who would eventually have uh, 11 children in total. Uh, They were there on December 13th of that year. Alvin was born in the two-room cabin that that uh, that they they raised all of these children at so it's a, it was a, a very interesting time and life wasn't easy for them william worked as a blacksmith and uh, with his sons they sons uh, they worked the family farm they hunted and fished to help with uh, food for the family and uh, alvin and his brother could only attend school for about 9 months now the in some of these places they did school for um by correspondence. It was a correspondence school where they would send the stuff in and basically it was like an early, early, early version of homeschooling. But they could afford it, so they, they only had about nine months of schooling. Now, Alvin was a tough child, and as, as he grew up, he, he took to, to drinking very heavily and, he was, and gambling, and he went to various bars known as blind tigers or blind pigs, and basically these were speakeasies. Uh, in other words, there were places where sh- you don't know what was happening there, but there was a lot of revelry and bad things going on in these places. So they were speakeasies, and you could look that up online and find out for yourself what they were. But his violent behavior landed him in trouble a lot of times because of it, and he was known as a troublemaker. Well, in uh, 1914, two major events would change the life of Alvin. The first was World War I, which started in... July of that year. So in July of 1914, World War I, World War One started. The second was the influence of his mother, Mary Elizabeth. Now, she was a godly woman. She prayed for her son and tried to, tried to tell him to mend his ways, but Alvin resisted. He did not want to have anything to do with mending his ways. He liked what the way he was and did not want to change. Now, um, and, and despite his reputation for fighting and drinking, I guess to appease his mother, he attended church on a regular basis. So uh, at the end of 1914, the local Methodist church received a visiting preacher by the name of Reverend Reverend W.W. Loveless, a minister with a group called the Churches of Christ and Christian Union. And they held a revival at Alvin's church. Now the revival revival services could be up to a week-long event that was led by preachers who spoke God's word in the hopes to call sinners to repent and to turn to the gospel. Uh, During the revival service on New Year's Day in in 1915, Alvin committed his life to Jesus. Now, he led an extraordinary life, um, and his life changed it. He became known as the singing elder. Uh, He began to teach Sunday school classes and and, and everything, and he he was uh, really—his life just radically changed. And— it's so much so that Alvin and his family supported Reverend Loveless in, 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 in Loveless's effort to start a new CCCU congregation in the area. Uh, so Alvin, again, he taught Sunday school classes, and he did his best to live according to the scriptures. Now, that's not where this story ends. All right, the presence of war was, was, uh, was too prevalent, and many American men went to war to defend this country. The, the president declared a war, uh, declared war, and, and um, Alvin was forced to register for the draft. Okay, so by June of 1917, Alvin registered for the draft. However, he didn't want to go to war to fight, all right? 
And uh, there was a question on the draft one, do you claim exemption from the draft and to specify grounds? And he simply answered by writing, yes, don't want to fight. Uh, his claim was rejected, however, after many appeals and whatnot, and he was sent to Camp Gordon in Georgia in November of 1917. Now, he deeply believed his Bible, and he was troubled by the thought of being called to, called on by his government to fight and to kill someone that he didn't know. And he, he said in his diary, quote, I was worried clean through. I didn't want to go to go and kill. I believed in my Bible, unquote. See, this man was not a casual Christian. This man applied the principles of Scripture to his everyday life. All right, and the Army had deemed him a conscientious objector. And that didn't stand too well with a lot of the other men he served with because he was, he was um, you know, they looked at him as some kind of whatever, a coward or whatnot, but he was far from that. I mean, being in so many fights when he was growing up and he knew his way around things and he knew how to shoot. Uh, Alvin actually grew up, uh, there was one phrase that, that said he he said that people said that he's he learned how to shoot when, by the time he could before he was weaned. Um, <coughs> so I mean he really learned how to shoot. He was an expert marksman. But the military, in talking with his commanding officers, what they did was they granted him a ten day leave to settle it in his heart. Now, they didn't have to do this, but they granted him a ten day leave, and they told him that if you know if he hadn't changed his mind by the time he got back, they would they would. Uh, he, they would okay his uh, 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 um, uh, excuse me uh, as a, a conscientious observe, objector, and they would let him go. Uh, but he returned home, and after much prayer and consider, consideration, he fell under the conviction that it was God's will that he fight. <clears throat> he put his trust in God, and he returned to the military. Uh, this worked out well for him. He was promoted uh, to corporal, and he was sent to France and distinguished himself in the, in the struggle for his life. Now, Alvin was part of the United States-led portion of the, of the Meuse-Argonne. I hope I'm saying that right. Meuse-Argonne Meuse Offensive. Now, the Meuse-Argonne Offensive was a part of the final Allied offensive of World War I. It was one of the it was one of the attacks that brought to the end of the war, end to the war, and was fought from September 26th to November 11th in 1918, okay, when the armistice was signed. Now, during this offensive, Alva's men came under heavy attack by machine gun fire of the Germans. And uh, this, was, this was a tremendous time. With 17 men, Alvin um, went around to the left flank of the Germans to see if he could uh, silenced the machine guns that were killing many, many American men. He, he just couldn't, you know, they were, they were killing and he had to do something. Now, some of the Germans on the hill that were shooting at Alvin and his men managed to kill six of the, six of the men that, uh, of, that he had, six out of the 17. So there were eight men left. <clears throat> now, during the battle, Alvin was able to get around and he was able to capture a, a German major and forced the major to order the others to stop firing by telling the major that if he didn't order his men to stop firing, he would blow his head off. Uh, the major blew his whistle, and the Germans surrendered to Alvin and his men. They didn't give up without a skirmish, though. One of the Germans lobbed a grenade at Alvin, and it burst in the air. Alvin shot the man, and the rest surrendered without any more trouble. He marched the major and the others to the rest of the hill and captured the rest of the Germans on that hill without any incident. Now, by the time Alvin reached his own post of, of command... 
He had 132 prisoners in tow. He had personally killed over 20 men, by estimate. <clears throat> and <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> and Alvin's actions that day enabled the 328th Infantry to renew its attack and go on to stop the Germans from advancing. Alvin York became one of the most decorated United States Army soldiers of World War I and was promoted to sergeant. Sergeant York received the Medal of Honor, the World War I Victory Medal, the American Campaign Medal, the Legion of Honor from France, the, medal, the Military Medal from France, the 1914 to 1918 War Cross from France, the War Cross from Italy, and there were many others. <clears throat> His exploit, exploits were made into a movie, and uh, in that movie um, was called the movie was called Sergeant York, and uh, it was starring Gary Cooper. And uh, boy, talk about a Christian killing somebody. This was a tremendous, tremendous, um, tremendous thing for for this man. I mean, uh, think about this. Here's a man who didn't want to kill. If you read part, portions of his diary, which are available online, you'll see that he had to do something to stop the killing, uh, which kind of perplexed his um, officers. In the movie, the, 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 one of the officers said, so you killed in order to stop the killing. And he said, yes, sir. That's the reason why. And it's so interesting because here he was an objective, a conscientious objector. He was a Christian a man of God that did not want to kill anyone, and yet he goes to war, kills over 20 men, and captures 132 Germans, which stopped um, the Germans from advancing and allowed the military, the, the military uh, allies to win the war. Amazing. Well, talk about a Christian killing, like I said. Well, we'll get more into this after the break. Uh, so if you just stand by, we'll be uh, we'll be right back uh, after a few things to uh, pay the bills and whatnot. <laughs> we'll be right back. So just stand by. All right, all right. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's an interesting. Uh, don't you think that was an interesting story? I I really get uh, amazed at that when I when I think about it because of the um, the use of um, uh, of violence that this man had to use. He was in a you know time of war, and he wound up killing sixty men. Uh, to, excuse me, twenty men, and captured many many more. Uh, but he was he was upset because he saw a lot of his men being cut down by the machine gun, and if you watch the movie uh, Sergeant York, I think you'll you'll get a bit. It was well done. In fact, it took it took Alvin a long time to approve that movie to be done. It was taken direct from his diaries, and uh, so it was it was interesting to see. Uh, a lot of good actors in it. Uh, uh, Gary Cooper was just one of them, but a lot of good actors that went on to be very very famous actors later on which you'll you'll see them in there if you if you uh take the time to watch it it's a good movie 
guaranteed you will like it. It's in black and white, so it's definitely before the major technology of the day, but it was uh, it was well done. Um, so, um, you know, so, oh, and a reminder, don't forget, if you're tuning in, uh, uh, you're here for, here on YouTube, don't forget to hit that like button and that subscribe. And uh, <clears throat> if by some chance you don't see the show on YouTube or it gets, it gets uh, deleted for some reason because of something I said, you can always go to Rumble. You can find me there at Sal Paso's. Uh, you can find me at uh, Rumble. So, uh, but we're there. <clears throat> okay, so how do we as Christians justify the use of deadly force? You know, a lot of people will, will speak up and say, well, the Second Amendment gives us the right, uh, well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, and the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That gives us, excuse me, that gives the people, whether you're Christian or not, the right to keep and bear arms, okay, uh, to protect yourself, to protect yourself against the government, because the, uh, the, the founders of the Constitution uh, knew that without arms, they would never win the war with, um, with England and uh, the revolution against England and the taxation and all that stuff. By the way, did you see Prince What's-His-Face today complaining about America? Prince, was it Harry? Uh, Luke Harry? Uh, Duke Harry or whatever the heck his name is. He came over from England and dropped his royalty, and he's coming over here, and he's telling us about the First Amendment, and he's telling us, about uh, climate change while he's flying around in a jet that spews more garbage out of it than uh, everything. You know, it's just, you know, look, we did, we did, we went to war with the English to deal, to do away with dukes and duchesses. Uh, so we don't need them here telling us what to do. One reporter today said, hey, take your tea and crumpets and go back to England if you don't like it here. And I agree. Uh, if you don't like this country, for whatever reason, Whatever reason you have to not like this country, pack up your bags and go. No one will stop you. And I'm sure there are plenty of pure-blood Americans that will pay for your ticket to leave. All right. But many years ago, when I was in a discussion with a dear Christian brother who said that he couldn't kill someone that was trying to hurt him uh, because that person's spiritual condition might send him to hell, and he in good conscience couldn't do it. Uh, I can understand that that's noble of him for think that and the the uh the uh the uh, uh quakers believe that as well they didn't want to you know it was the person doing the harm that was damaging his soul uh it wasn't the person being harmed uh it, well the person being harmed definitely would uh consider you know would definitely be on uh being hurt physically and whatnot but um they uh they uh, they didn't want to do that. So this man said, you know, in good conscience, he didn't want to see. Now, that was noble for him, and it's right. You see, the Bible doesn't uh, give us clear indication. That is, it doesn't come right out and say, thou shalt defend thyself against the evildoer, in Second Hesitations 4. Uh, no, it's, it doesn't say that. But it may at some point, some, some may point out that Jesus said to turn the other cheek in Matthew 5.39, and it tells us not to fight. Uh, in Luke, uh, it says this, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return, and your re reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Uh, now, in Proverbs 24, 12, it tells us not to gloat when our enemy falls. Also in Proverbs 25, 21, that we are to feed our enemies. 
in now Jesus expounds on this a little bit in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Uh, you have, um, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And not even tax, and not, and not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only people, if you greet only your people, your own people, excuse me, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be th- be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Uh, now you know. I mean, we look at that and we say, okay. And later on, he talks about. Uh, in uh, another verse, in Luke 6, he talks about, um, again, loving your enemies and uh, give to everyone who asks from you and everyone takes what you belong. Do not demand it back. Do to others as, as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? And he, he talks about this. And he talks about, uh, you know, in loving our enemies, that we'll be children of the Most High God. So what do we do as Christians? I mean, you know, if we love our enemies, okay, we're going to pray for our enemies. We're going to pray for those who despitefully use us. We're going to uh, pray for those who persecute us. But what does it boil down to when it comes to a one-on-one? And Paul, in, in Paul in Romans 14, when discussing the weak and the strong Christian, he says in verse 4, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or, fall, stands or falls. Now, although this is speaking of food to eat, Paul continues to teach on sacred days, etc. In other words, it is left up to each man's conscience and before God, because before God, you will give an account, okay? Not to you. You don't judge another person because before God, he will stand or fall, and you don't, you don't matter, okay? Because before God, it, it, so, so stop criticizing people. Uh, and this could be said for many things. In past episodes, I spoke of things like celebrating certain days, such as Halloween. It's up to the individual to settle that before God, what he or she is to do. I'm not here to tell you you should or you shouldn't. Uh, the Bible doesn't give us any clear indication on it or not. So you have to do do the research, do things, check it out yourself, and you know, and you do something and settle it within your own conscience. I've chosen not to celebrate Halloween anymore. I used to. I don't do it anymore. Um, and there's a lot of things that, you know, can be said one way or another, but this is what Paul says. It, it, it's left before God, before that person and God. So you, it's between you and God, and between you and God, you know, whether you're going to rise or fall, that's up to you, and it's up to God. That's, that's, that's how it goes. It's not for me to say. All right, so um, now let's uh, get into the title of this show. I, I entitled this episode, By a Sword. And I, you know, I, 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 I talk about this, I've, I've brought this up many times, so let's see what Jesus had to say. So he, see, but he said to them, but now you have a purse, but now if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. So Jesus is telling them, go ahead and buy a sword, because he knew the time was coming where they would need to protect themselves. Okay, they were going to come under heavy persecution, and they needed to defend themselves. Now, why then did Jesus rebuke Peter for cutting off someone's ear with a sword shortly after he got done saying this? This took place in the, uh, in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, because Peter was interfering with God's will. He told his disciples many times that he would be betrayed, arrested, and put on trial and die. So for Peter to try to interfere, this was, so Peter was rebuked. 
Uh, but let's take a look at some other scriptures. Uh, we're going to go over to Exodus. Exec- oh, boy. I'll tell you. I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm, I've got a lot on my mind right now. I'm trying to get this episode in before the lawnmower guy gets here to cut the grass. Uh, episode, uh, episode, Exodus 22, verses 2 through 3. It says, If a thief is caught breaking in and is struck so that he dies, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. But if it happens after sunrise, he is guilty of bloodshed. Now, why this this is an interesting this is an interesting passage when you look at it. Um, two basic principles are taught here in this text. It says the right to own private property and the right to defend that property is given by God here. It's saying that if a thief is breaking in and is struck so that he dies, the defender is not guilty of the bloodshed of that person's bloodshed. Now. Uh, the full exercise and of the right to self-defense, however, depends on the situation that we see here, because no one should be too quick to use deadly force against another, even if someone who means to, uh, even against someone who means to do him harm. Now, if someone was set upon by a thief in the middle of the night and in the confusion of the moment, the would-be thief was killed. The law did not charge the homeowner with murder, but if the thief was caught in the house during the day when the homeowner was unlikely to have been woken from sleep. Then the law forbade the killing of the thief. Essentially, the law said that the homeowner shouldn't be quick to kill or attack thieves in their homes. Both situations could be considered self-defense, but deadly force was expected to be a last resort used only in the event of a panicked surprise attack scenario, where the homeowner is likely to be confused and disoriented. In the case of a nighttime attack, the law granted the homeowner, the benefit of the doubt that apart from the darkness and confusion of the attack, he would not intentionally use lethal force against a thief. Even in the case of self-defense against a thief, a godly person was expected to try to restrain their assailant rather than immediately resort to killing him. So we see that, yes, is it necessary um, to defend ourselves against evildoers? Yes, Absolutely. Now, in this particular case, in this scenario, someone broke into somebody's house and the homeowner would uh, struck him and killed him. I don't know how, sword and hit him in the head with a hammer, I don't know, whatever. Uh, we have modern-day weapons now. The Bible was written before we had AR-15s and even before the Second Amendment was written and where they had uh, flintlocks. But what does the what is what do we do as Christians, you know, if we are attacked physically? Well, we have the right to defend ourselves. Now, again, deadly force is used as a last result. It's a last resort. You do not pull a weapon on somebody just to scare them. You don't pull a weapon on them to. If the time comes out where you have to use a weapon, you pull it out and you use it because there's no other scenario available. Now, granted, there could be a million different scenarios as to what takes place. I know where I come from in Connecticut, they have a, they don't have a stand-your-ground law. Here in Alabama, they do. In Connecticut, they do not have a stand-your-ground law. Uh, you are expected to, as a homeowner or somebody who's being attacked, try to flee the situation. If you can't get away and you're forced to use deadly force, then, then you can use it and you'll less likely be prosecuted for it. However, we've just seen in New York uh, a, a, a store owner that got thrown in Rikers prison because he stabbed a guy that was coming in to try to kill him. And he's treated as the, as the criminal, and the criminal who died was treated as a victim. This world is 
messed up. We're in a bad situation here in this world. Um, but, you know, if you're in here in uh, Alabama, you, we have a stand-your-ground law. We could stand your ground. We also have a castle law where you could def- uh, pr- protect your own property. Now, you know, if somebody was trespassing on my property, just cutting through or whatever, am I going to shoot them? No, I'm not going to shoot them. I'm not going to stand there, oh, you're, dang, you're a dang revenuer, and cock the shotgun and tell them to get off the property. No. But if that person is trying to break into my property, I'm going to be calling 911 first, and I'm going to be telling this guy to get away. If this, this person tries to get into the home, uh, into my home, I, I, I am taking, I am of the mindset I'm going to try to take as much precautionary measures as I can. I'm not going to go on the attack. However, if somebody tries to break into my home, I am going to stop that person by whatever means necessary. If after being warned that I have firearms and the police is on the way and this guy still decides to, to get in, I hope his life is right with Jesus because I'm going to take his life. This is, uh, and I know this is dangerous to even say because somebody can find this. If I do happen to uh, use deadly force on somebody, somebody will find this and they'll, and they'll say, oh, look, he said he would do this. Remember, it depends on the circumstances. There's, there's a million different circumstances that can happen. Remember, too, remember too I worked as an armed security on, a, on an armored car. The, the, you were always on the alert. In fact, I remember one funny story. I was helping a guy load an ATM. And we were walking out of the walking out of the store, and a balloon popped. And I, I swear, I, I went for my weapon. I started pulling it, and the guy started laughing. He said it was a balloon. And it's like you know, oh good, because you know it scared me. You you're you're on a high and heightened alert because somebody may try to to kill you to get this money. Um. So it depends on the situation, and it's totally different when you're a police officer. A uh, police officer has to be on, on, on his guard. His, his job is to protect the public. If you know, he or she uses uh, deadly force, whole different scenario than a citizen using deadly force, totally, totally different. Um, but if, you know, if they find, they could find that, oh, well, you went after trouble, you saw that this was happening and you went after it, then there's a, now before God, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can go and chase somebody down and shoot them. But if somebody's trying to hurt me or my family, then that point I am going to use some sort of force, deadly or otherwise, to stop them. Now, because uh, I had asked this dear brother that, that I mentioned earlier, well, what happens if I come home and I see a guy raping my wife in my home? What am I going to do, stand there and say, oh, I'm going to pray for you? No, I'm going to dislocate this guy's head with a two-by-four, or I'm going to pull a weapon, I'm going to shoot him, or I'm going to hold him for the police or something is going to happen because I'm going to protect, I have an obligation before God to watch out for my family. And that's it. Okay, we, and it, it, it's, you know, whatever the consequences come by then, you know, that's the way it is. So again, this is a, an issue that you have to settle between you and God. There is no other, um, there's no other uh, person who could tell you one way or another. You have to settle it before the Lord yourself. All right. So that being said, uh, I'm going to end the show here. Uh, I hate to leave you on this on this thing, but I think I hear the lawnmower guy out there, and I got to do some things before he gets out into the backyard. And um, I'm just going to say, God bless you guys. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can uh, write to me at the Truth Must Be Told 93 at gmail.com. That's the Truth Must Be Told 93 at gmail.com. And God bless you, and we'll see you next time on The Truth Must Be Told. Take care.